Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel, one by one. We will be spoiling episodes we've already discussed. We're spoiler-free for future episodes. Getting into a slap fight with Harmony, I'm Harrison. And I'm Jason, and I also like cheese. (laughs) (laughs) What episode are we watching this week, Harrison? Uh, We are watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 4, Episode 7, The Initiative. Um, This is the one where we learn about the initiative. Uh, Really, uh, this this storyline kind of comes to the forefront for a week. Uh, Willow mopes around a bit. Um, Buffy and Riley have an incredibly uncomfortable conversation in... uh, in like a, the courtyard area, um, Giles and Xander don't really do a lot, and that's uh, that's important. Yeah, Spike's back for realsies. <laughs> yeah, um, we got some old favorites on this one. Uh, the initiative was written by Douglas Petrie and directed by James A. Contner, and originally aired on November sixteenth, nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. Party like it's nineteen ninety nine. We're we're so close to the end of the nineties. It's actually kind of sad. Jason, what are you drinking this week? Uh, Harrison, I'm going back to the. Uh wine that i was drinking from white mire in our um in our last buffy episode uh wild at heart uh you know very smooth uh very 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 easy to drink red wine um it's so funny that you say that because uh like i'm I'm pretty sure like wild at heart i am drinking a vodka cranberry yeah I just need to buy some cranberry juice the next time I'm out because I've got plenty of vodka. Um, so John gets very and like, John has like cocktail moods, so we'll go like, um, like for a while, like all he'll buy will just be like bourbon and ginger ale, and we'll just do bourbon gingers, mm-hmm. and then one day he'll just be like, I'm in the mood for vodka cranberries and he buys vodka and cranberry juice and then that, then we're in that for a while <laughs> and like um so we're in a uh, vodka cranberry and you listen no complaints here i vodka cranberries yeah. as we discussed are delicious um uh also just this uh this vodka he's found is very inexpensive but still like good flavor so yeah i typically find with vodkas um it seems very hard to screw up. Like, I I feel mm. like a vodka would have to be really, really bad for me to even, like, notice if it's if it's a bad vodka. And I don't know, mm. maybe that just shows my ignorance of liquor, but... Uh, no, whatever. I just think, like, like, I could tell, like, a really good vodka, like, like a Grey Goose or something like that, that's, like, really smooth and you could just, like, you could drink it on the rocks. Um, but like even bad vodkas, I would say are like easier to, at least for me anyway, easier to tolerate than like, like a bad whiskey or a bad bourbon or something. Um, Yeah. It's much more apparent when 
uh drinking a bad one of those yeah um so anyway uh buffy episode so that's my my toast this toast this week mm-hmm. excuse me um we are recording this on uh dr martin luther king jr day so uh i'll i'm gonna dedicate our toast this week uh to dr king um who's uh did a lot of great work unfortunately his work is not finished so you know it's up to us to continue the good fight dr king so um i want to i want to start off this episode by saying that this episode is silly it is yeah it is so (laughs) it is so silly and have you ever watched something that like is it's just like it doesn't phase you for a while but then it just keeps beating at you until you eventually are just like (laughs) yeah you just start laughing that's what this episode was for me it's like all all of the all of it seemed just like at first eye rolling all of the humor and there's a lot of it in there and like oh my gosh but then like after a while they just they just kept at it like no we're going to get you to laugh at this (laughs) laugh at my jokes so what was the moment for you what was your breaking point where did this episode break you jason (laughs) probably like near the end of the uh spike willow scene where they're discussing his um impotence when it comes to attacking humans okay all right um i'll be honest it gets me right out of the gate with buffy breaking the frozen yogurt machine (laughs) And she does, I, I, I'm sorry, and I'm sorry, I hate to admit this, but like she does, I think exactly what I would probably do in the same situation, which is just hope no one noticed me and leave. Riley is talking with his friend Forrest, who is played by Leonard Roberts. Leonard Roberts. Who I I I mostly know for. Agreeing with you. Oh, okay, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> I thought I was waiting for a, for a comment. Who um I mostly know from uh his his uh, brief appearance in Smallville, and oh, um, yeah. his brief two appearances in Smallville actually, and um and his uh but more more than that his uh starring role in Heroes as DL mm-hmm. the man who could walk through walls. Yeah, um, I, I made the same note, um, and I was, I'm not sure if you saw this, but um, did you see his, like, uh, op-ed that he wrote about his, uh, about his time on Heroes? No, I didn't. Okay, so this was a month or two back. Um, I would go, I would check it out. It's, it's an excellent piece that he wrote. Um, so he is in the first So this season. is a recent plays, thing. Uh, as you said, DL, who is the, I believe, husband of uh, Ali Larder's character. Yes, um, uh, Nikki. And there was, um, uh, apparently, the, and according to his uh, his article, and this has also been corroborated by a lot of people, um, a lot of um, tension between him and Allie Larder. Um, she apparently treated him like shit, basically. And um, uh, and this basically led to his being fired from the show and his character being killed off between the first and second season. Um, yeah, he did just kind of disappear. You know, very upsetting uh, for this this poor man and uh, what that did to his career. Um, but it's just it's a really excellent piece. I really recommend you you go read it. 
Um, well, fortunately, we've got quite a few appearances from Leonard Roberts going forward in this uh, show. Um, so definitely get uh, attached to uh, Forrest and Graham. Forrest just keeps going on and on about how hot she is. And I mean, he's not wrong. He's not wrong, but this is a lot. Like this scene, I I, I struggled through this. I was, there's just so much. It is uncomfortable. <laughs> Um, they, this episode spends so much time with these men, um, you know, objectifying Buffy and I, and I get that that's there to provide a contrast with how, how Riley treats Buffy and talks to Buffy and talks about Buffy. Um, but it's, it's still a lot. I was just like, I was like watching the scene and I was like, okay, we get it. She's hot. Like, Uh, yeah. Also like, um, this, some of the things that that um, he was said, like the way that he said things, just doesn't come across the way that uh, normal people say things. Kind of like Riley as right. well. Um, yeah, but yeah, like Forrest is like, you mean you have initiated first contact? I'm like, who the who says that? Like that's like right? something you so weird. Yeah, that's something I, you hear I, in like I, Revenge of the Nerds or something like that. <laughs> I'm all down for the Blake Buffies quirky dialogue that's I mean, that, you know that is a bit of a staple of the show the dialogue's quirky it's it's a little off from how people actually talk but yeah this goes this takes that idea that staple of the show but it also adds this layer of just ugh, just gross yeah. man to it that is not um I, yeah i didn't enjoy it let's not spend too much time on this one <laughs> cafeteria scene fair but uh yeah riley is this the introduction of forrest and graham i I can't remember they haven't appeared no they have not what an introduction is either by himself (laughs) or with professor walsh so um but yeah it it basically just shows that like riley isn't trying to he doesn't want to make fun of buffy because you know she's buffy and um yeah so then we have a giles who is um quite an artist i will say um he's he's drawn a picture uh, of one of the commandos based on uh, buffy's description mm-hmm. of the one that she ran into in the last buffy episode xander is trying desperately to prove yeah. that uh that buffy's going to need their help and this is um this is such a strange it, it seems like they just needed something uh they just needed something for Giles and Xander to do, and um, I-, I will say on a there are times when that uh, when that pairing is funny, but then there are also times when I'm like, why is this happening? <laughs> um, and and uh, but yeah, Buffy shows up, and uh, yeah, uh, Giles uh, says like, oh, you're gonna have to be keeping an eye out on these. Uh, on while you're on patrol for these commandos and buffy's like uh nope i'm not going on patrol you guys are going on patrol i am cheering up willow out of her black hole of despair and uh by going to a party so excuse me while i go pick out something slutty to wear um i do i really enjoy buffy just being like not gonna do that you're gonna do that yeah (laughs) yeah. okay yeah like she's very take charge in this like i like it um I find that attractive in a woman. <laughs> and, um, I, you know, and it is, uh, I, I do think it's funny. Uh, it does, um, that, gosh, that was not a sentence. Um, 
uh, Xander is so quick to like be like, yeah, we'll help. We'll do anything. Like, get me out of my mom's basement. But hey, we do get like one scene in the basement. Um, yes. Which uh, we'll get to. We'll get to later. Um, but uh, yeah, but we we also need to talk about um, Spike. Spike. Who is, uh, yeah, um, who is, and I gotta say, I actually really do enjoy this scene because it, um, we obviously know that this where Spike is now is related to where the commandos mm-hmm. is related to the commandos, and in this case, like since we since we're talking about since a lot of it gets lo- gets revealed in this episode, we are talking about the initiative, and um, I really like it because it is such an almost alien set. Mm-hmm. It's when, so different than anything yeah, and honestly, we've that's seen on like the show. kind of the intriguing thing about the story, maybe initiative. Um, so it's going to be like a quick detour here, but, uh, um, when I, um, a a few years back, uh, when I was bored and, um, I was watching some old episodes of Power Rangers, I actually started writing a fairly in-depth fan fiction of, um, Power Rangers and, uh, do you still have it? Do you still have it? it? Can I read it? Can I read it? Oh my God. No. Oh, devastating. Um, but uh but no it had like uh and it was funny because um i this i believe i wrote this before i started watching buffy but um when i look back on it it had like some very buffy-esque uh at least in terms of structure Mm because i wanted to like build a long-running storyline and um like it was it was it was over like four seasons and, um, like, the first season was, like, Mighty Morphin. Second season was Zeo. The third season, which in the regular Power Rangers series is Turbo. Oh, do you skip Turbo? stupid. Well, I, instead, instead, I basically had it to where, um, at the end of Zeo, like, the Rangers were, um, who I had replaced with my friends. Uh, <laughs> the Rangers were, like, um, like, for the count and, like, kind of in a coma, uh, at the end of Zeo. And then, um zordon was gone and then the government comes in they're rec- like gonna take everything and so i instead decided to make season three light speed skew which i always thought was really cool Ooh. but i made it so that the government basically trying to take control of the morphing grid and everything oh, wow. but the only those rangers had access to it so i thought it was like a really cool kind of like oh Here's, you have this, like, kind of sci-fi stuff, but what happens when you, like, bring, like, the Earth government in there, too? I would have um, read this so, so bad. Yeah, this, I'm devastated. I'm devastated. <laughs> the, the, this storyline, um, the initiative storyline in general, just makes me think of mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah, and I, and I, and I, and I miss... Uh, sometimes I still think about that fan <laughs> fiction, because I think it might be one of the most creative things I've ever done, which <laughs> sounds kind of bad. But um, but anyway, back to this episode. I'm sorry about that tangent. Uh, Spike uh, wakes up in this, like, really kind of um, antiseptic-feeling mm-hmm. facility. Yeah. Um, he's in a... Uh, he's in, like, a cell that is, uh, like, has, like, these kind of electric barriers. Um, and uh, right from the start, like, just this like bag of blood just drops right down from the ceiling and um he's about to drink it but then uh the vampire in the next cell Mm -hmm. tom who uh 
who uh, was part of Sunday's gang. He talks about how like he was tr- he got caught by these guys when he was uh, running from the Slayer. And of course, dude proves in this episode he is obsessed with Buffy. Like that is his number one goal right now. <laughs> Uh, and he has that great line where he's like, I always wondered what would happen if that bitch got some funding. Because <laughs> <laughs> he thinks that he thinks that this is Buffy. Yeah. He thinks that like this is probably like some extension of the Watchers Council. Or I'm not sure like how much Spike knows about about like the Slayer structure. If he knew anything about the Watchers Council, he'd know this weren't them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh but yeah, um, so Spike obviously is gonna try to plan his escape. But uh, we go to uh, we go back to Psych One Hundred One, mm-hmm. and uh, I, actually, I don't even know if it is Psych One Hundred One. I think it is. Um, I, I think it is. Okay. I, I think it's introduced. I think Walsh introduces it as, as <clears throat> introduces it as One Hundred One in the premiere. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah, because it, it's just the way that um, the regard that everyone has for Walsh. And it kind of uh, comes across more as like maybe it's a higher level class, mm. but uh, but I mean it's all freshmen in. But yeah, Willow is um, Willow goes up to Riley and uh, is like, oh, you didn't call Oz's name at roll call, and yeah, I was gonna ask you. I was like that. I I, I went to an uh, I went to an on like I my <clears throat> Jesus. This is gonna be some fun editing for me where I'm like. Pearson can't talk. Um, I got my degree online, but I did briefly um, when I was eighteen attend a campus school, and I I didn't take a single class where like even smaller like classes where a role was taken. So the um that, at least not that I can recall in the smaller classes that I've had roles taken like on the first day, just to like because the teacher the teacher kind of wants to. Like in a small yeah. class, they want to assign names to faces, um, and then like uh, when you have like recitations and recitations and stuff like that, where you probably take your test and, or your quizzes and stuff like that, they mm-hmm. also want to know role there. Um, but again, that's like at um, the that's only on the first day. So yeah, it's usually like classes that are less than 30 typically less than 20 but like that is a fairly large psych 101 class and the idea that they do roll every day i mean that would take that would that would take like probably half an hour um maybe not that long but still that would cut way into class time yeah um i I mean it definitely just feels like it's to get us to this moment of yeah yeah uh, we learned that Oz's name is Daniel Osborne, which has never been established until... Oh, it hasn't? No, this is the first time. I think oh, we okay. called him that before because we just knew that. But this is the first time that that is ever oh, mentioned. Okay. He's not even on the show anymore. <laughs> oh, um, we also forgot to mention that uh, Oz may no longer be in the opening credits, but guess who is? James Marsters. Oh, I wasn't... I couldn't remember if we'd gotten to. I was going to mention it, but I was yeah. like, I can't remember. Yeah, where the James Marsters happened, is so. the uh, uh, is now like a um, a main character on the show, which is such a relief, such a relief to finally have Spike in the opening credits, and we don't have to act anytime he's like shows <laughs> up. Like, oh, Spike appears in this episode, this one episode. 
We're going to be like, okay, Spike's going to be around um, for a while. It's actually funny because um, I remember when we, uh, I think you made the point, was it earlier this season or maybe late last season? I think it was earlier this season when we had our, um, our last episode that didn't have vampires in it. Um, and the, one of the main reasons for Mm -hmm. that is that Spike is a main character now. So you always have at least one vampire in there. Um, that it's exactly the thing I was thinking of too. It's like, but now we we got to ourselves for now. Uh, but now we can officially confirm. Yeah. We got Spike for a good long while. So I hope you like him. I'm, I'm assuming that you do because I mean, that's why he got up to regular. Really? <laughs> yeah. People I, liked him. He, yeah, he, I would, I do believe Spike might be the most popular character in I Buffy. Mean, um, I think Spike is definitely like the major breakout Buffy character. Um, uh, and then maybe like Willow behind him. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll go, I'll go along with that. Uh, but yeah, like, I'm not saying he's the greatest character. I think he's a really good character, but I definitely feel mm-hmm. like there is a lot of fan love for him compared to a lot of the other characters. Um, yes. But tell Riley that, well, you know, Oz will be back soon. And um, at this point, Professor Walsh kind of intercedes and says like, oh, well, he won't be in my class because uh, he doesn't respect my uh, my schedule. And this is going to make me sound like a terrible person, probably, but I'm kind of on Professor Walsh's side uh, for the most part. I'm on her side. For the most part. With the facts. Yeah. I'm not on her side. I'm not on her side with how she chooses to approach the situation. She didn't need to say anything. Like, she could have, I mean, she could have kept that information to herself. Um,. That's not who Professor Walsh is, though. Professor Walsh is like, I am always, I am always asserting my authority. Yeah. No, um. Well, fair. I mean, oh, yeah. I do think this is in character. (laughs) I think she was absolutely in character, but she was a bit of a dick about how she handled, which Buffy calls her on, which I really love. Yeah. Yeah. That, which apparently Walsh loved as well. Uh, Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So. But that's no, um, the line she has is so Buffy calls her. She's like, for someone who teaches human behavior, you could try showing some. And then Professor Walsh says, Well, that has nothing to do with my job. And this line that I have from Buffy is so good. She says, You're right. A human being in pain has nothing yeah. to do with your job. Just be a fucking person, man. <laughs> like and then that's when when she leaves, Walsh is immediately like, I like her. And and then uh, <laughs> Riley's just like, really? You, do, you don't find her peculiar? Which is, why does he keep using this word? Like, it, I don't know what it. Because he likes her. Because <laughs> I think he has another line that just really threw me off. It's like, um, is it when he set, talks about wanting to court her? Because barf. No, no, it's not even that. Funny. Like, but that is, that is one of them. But he has, he has another line and I wish I'd written it down. But it just, it's like, that's not how normal people talk. That's like, that's like a, a robot who has been reading like 1800s novels uh, would talk. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's what is basis well, for vocabulary. I, I think the problem is, is that once again, this like quirky Buffy dialogue that we're used to, um, 
I think does not work coming from this character of Ryan. Yeah. And I also think, no disrespect to Mr. Blucas, who by all accounts is a very lovely person, I don't think he's quite strong enough an actor to sell it. Um, Yeah, it's it's like he's trying to... It's it's basically what you said. He's trying to operate in this world of like, oh, quips and comebacks and stuff. And he, he really just kind of seems to be forcing it almost. Um, and honestly, they should have gone... We're, as you know, we learn later in the episode, he is very explicitly part of a very different world. So they really should have been writing his dialogue, you know, along those lines. Yeah. Um, I just want to follow up on like the anyway. one thing though, like with the uh, Walsh and, um, Oh yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, yeah, no, no, it's, um, so yeah, like I, like I said, I agree with professor Walsh to a point. Like, I mean, there in, in college, you will find like, there are some students that just kind of slack off and then, um, assume that they can like come back and act like nothing's happened. And, uh, the, I think one of the points of college is to like, kind of, teach you a little more about the real world and they're like mm-hmm. if you don't follow up on your commitments then most people aren't going to you know even care they're not um if you like however if you do if a student did come to me after having missed a class and said and had like a legitimate problem that like you know death in the family or something like that then um i would obviously be mm-hmm. like okay i'll i'll talk to the professor will um I'll I'll do my best to like get something worked out for you, like yeah, because there's like you gotta yeah. have a little bit of compassion, but at the same time like I mean if if a student just leaves without a trace, which um or leaves without a word, but I mean he I guess in in a world where students just disappear, um, <laughs> the uh, um, fair point. I, I do think like yeah. Uh, Riley does say that Oz dropped out, so I'm pretty sure he, like, kind of mm-hmm. took care of that. Probably after he left Willow, or maybe, like, right before he left Willow. Um, something we haven't mentioned about this scene is, um, and I didn't really think about it till watching it today, um, is how uh, kind of sad it is, but uh, Willow's desperation to believe that Oz is going to come back in this scene. Um, and, yeah, you know... You know, Riley doesn't really... Obviously, Riley doesn't know all the details of what's going on. So he, um, you know, he, what he says is, you know, he's not trying to be unkind. He just doesn't know what happened. So um, it really upsets yeah. Willow. Um, uh, Professor Walsh is trying to be... Well, I don't think she's trying to be unkind. I don't think it's... a. It's, she's just not a kind person. Uh, again, you know I mean? yeah. She's... Yeah, she... She always picks what makes her look the mm-hmm. strongest. Yes. Um, Which we'll definitely see and, as the episode I mean, progresses. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, and it, it's kind of the, really kind of the first time we see Willow in this episode, mm-hmm. I think, because uh, we have, we have reference to her being in like a black hole yeah. of despair, but now we kind of see that and, um, yeah, and uh, uh, all credit to Willow in this episode. She, um, despite the fact she's not feeling great, she still is kind of looking out for her girl, mm-hmm. uh, Buffy. This is a really good 
uh, Willow Buffy friendship episode. Yeah. I can never, you can never mm. have too many of those. Um, but yeah, so, uh, later, um, for some reason, while talking to Forrest, Riley, and Graham are just, you know, throwing a Frisbee <laughs> indoors. Like, <laughs> indoors, I mean, it's it's a beautiful day outside. <laughs> so, my first thought when this was happening was like, oh, maybe this scene was scripted to be outside, but then for whatever reason... They couldn't film it outside, but then also chose to leave the Frisbee thing in the scene. But then <laughs> then they go outside. <laughs> yeah, this makes me think of um, of The Room when uh, they have just the random scenes of them throwing the football back and forth. Because <laughs> they, they needed them to do something. <laughs> but, um... Oh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, so... Um, but Forrest is kind of like down on all the gossip and so on the hot goss. So he actually goes up to Parker Abrams. Uh, basically says all the things that you would expect him to say. He says a line that is so vile. He says, what is the difference between a freshman girl and a toilet? The toilet doesn't follow you around after you use it. Gross. Ew. Mm. I wish Riley had murdered him. <laughs> I, listen, I, I'm going to say, I, I am not a, the biggest fan of Riley, the character. I think he's kind of bland and boring. And, you know, we'll get into more of why I don't love this character later on. But when he, I was like fist pumping when he, when he punched our Parker, I was like, yeah, Riley, you my boy, my boy, Riley. Done by the writers to kind of like <laughs> show that a good guy who, um, who is going to, who's going to be like, who the writers are setting up as being a very good romantic partner for Buffy. Um, yeah. Yeah, and Riley has an uphill battle coming after Angel as Buffy's love interest. So, you know, a scene like this is really important. Riley's like, oh man, I can't believe I punched him. And uh, I'm not going to tell anybody because he's so, he's so embarrassed. That was actually, um, that was actually Graham who said that. And it was. But I, I, I forgive you for forgetting because I... Of the two characters, Forrest really pops, has a lot of personality. A lot of that personality is kind of gross, but it's there. And Graham is just uh, like a... He's just... He's just there. And I I mean no disrespect once again to uh, the actor who plays him, Bailey Chase, who um, I've seen in a lot of other things. Um, he's one of those actors who pops up in a lot of stuff. Yeah, the, he very much gave that impression. Yeah, um, and he's quite good. It's just that Graham is... Graham is like the straight man of this group. If Like, you know, Forrest is the... Well, I don't know. I feel like Riley is kind of the straight man of the... Well, that's the problem with this group. It has two straight men. <laughs> Which is how I feel about any group of straight people. <laughs> I was waiting for it. Gay agenda. Look how bad straight men are. <laughs> All right, you know what? I, yes, that's my, that's my gay agenda this week. Stupid Typically, I'm not the people. one that points it out. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, and then... Um, they like basically force like well you know why you did it right and um and uh and riley says oh well i guess 
I guess I like her. And you know what? I think that might be the line. <laughs> I, I think like the line is like, huh, I guess I, I guess I like her. And it's, it, I don't know. That, and that line is then repeated by Spike in like at the, in the very yeah. next scene. Yeah. I expected like some like very inspirational music to start playing. Um, uh, I do, before we get to that very next scene, while we're still on the subject of this one, I, I just checked this because I, I thought I was right and I am. This is blessedly the last we will ever see of Parker, Parker Abrams. Abrams. Yes. We, so no more. No bye. more Parker. Um, and I am delighted that the final two moments of Parker on screen are him getting physically assaulted. <laughs> um, <laughs> God, you know, I wish I will, you were dead, but if wishes were horses, you know? I will not miss those really, really needing to be trimmed eyebrows. Oh my god, god, yes. It's like it's like a bunch of giant It's like two giant caterpillars just like stuck onto his face. <laughs> you know, Parker Parker served a purpose. He he had an important role to play and now that role is done and he's gone and I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? In the end, Parker may have used Buffy the character, but Parker was used by Buffy the show. Yeah, fuck you, Parker. Hmm. And then Parker died on the way back to his home planet. Yeah, you know what? You know what? Like, now you can have any headcanon you want for what happens to Parker. So, yeah, um, listeners, if uh, think of a good way for Parker to, like, for Parker's story to end and then yes. email it to us. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll share some that we... Send us your most violent, bloody Parker Abrams death. <laughs> mm. I love that, Jason. If we, if, no, if we get, no, seriously, if we get some, I'm more than willing to share them I'm on our next Buffy so episode. Cause like. I'm so horny for yeah, that idea. Yeah, like seriously, we, we are actively asking you listeners to tell us like, how do you want Parker's story to end? That idea makes me wet. <laughs> yeah, so Spike is, uh, is passed out on the floor of his cell. These uh, doctors come in and they're basically going to take him off to uh, to be experimented on because he does have it. That blood bag is empty, um, mm -hmm. but he was just fooling. Just fooling. And, uh, he beats. So he beats up these uh, doctors, uh, lets Tom out, and Tom starts trying to uh, like break them out. Um, yeah, Spike. Uh, Spike does get out. Um, Oh, wow, I, I forgot that uh, Tom does get dusted. Um, oh, yeah. All right, yeah. Tom. So the we skipped over a very, very brief scene um, that the Buffy Wiki doesn't actually even mention, but I just have a, I have a bit about it in my notes. Is this Xander's basement? Yes. Okay. It comes before Par Riley punches Parker. I What were they? They had a bunch of guns? Like Giles and Xander, like, were they? Did I miss something? They were getting ready for patrol, and um, and Giles does ask why Xander has all of this, all of these munitions, and he said like, "Well, I requisitioned them when I had the, when I had the." Um, oh, that's that's right. The military, uh, the the soldier's brain, which I'm not gonna lie, they use that a whole lot more than I thought they would, like just Xander's military <laughs> training, um. Like, he holds on to that for a good, solid, like, 
two seasons. Um, however, he does reveal that he's kind of um, he's kind of lost it's most fading. of it. Yeah, um, and it, it's clear. And when he's trying to uh, open up this flare gun, and uh, Giles just takes it from him and pops it open. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it, I don't know why. I think they're just kind of arming themselves for going out on patrol. Yeah, and uh, which fair? I, okay. Yeah, and uh, there is a moment in here where. Xander's mother yells down, Xander, would you and your friend like some fruit punch? And, and yeah, they just kind of look at each other and Giles turns around and says, is it raspberry? <laughs> so, very funny, but yeah, I, I, at first I was like, this feels very out of character of what we know about Xander's parents. Um, like, specifically, a couple episodes back, Anya mentioned that Xander's mom, like, made her go around and use, like, the back entrance. But here's my theory. Uh-oh. Xander's mom took one look at Giles. Oh. And she was like, damn! <laughs> I'm gonna see if he wants any of my fruit punch, if you Gross. know what I mean. It's her pussy. <laughs> no, no, I got that. that... <laughs> That's why I said Gross. <laughs> <laughs> God, you know what? Force is not the most vulgar person in this episode. It's you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so that's my head cannon. Uh, Mrs. Harris is horny for Giles. Uh, Giles is very much, in my opinion, the David Boreanaz of Buffy. You know what's really Everyone funny? Everyone is horny for Giles. You know what's really funny? And I've mentioned this before. Um, like uh, when I got a bunch of my friends together, including you. To watch, um, including me, I yeah, was there. Yeah, to watch it, we all picked out like kind of our favorite. We just had a marathon of uh, everybody picked out their favorite Buffy episode, and um, and as we were and their favorite Angel episode, everyone picked and one, their favorite Angel. Everyone episode. picked one of each. Yeah, and it was really funny to discover. Like, um, I at this point, I had always assumed that women were mostly attracted to either Angel or Spike, but um, all of the gay men and women. Uh, and straight women in the uh, in this group that we had, they would they all were drooling over Wesley and Giles. So girls in the straight and the gay men are all about these British guys. <laughs> mm-hmm. Although I I can't say in my answer that I because we did like a poll. We went through and was like, who who's like your hottest? Who would you sleep with? Buffy edition. Um, I had a different answer that I can't reveal because it's like, it's a huge, huge spoiler, but I thought it was very funny. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, so Riley goes to Willow's, uh, goes to Willow and Buffy's room and, uh, Willow is there and she, um, she's listening to some sad music and I'll give Riley this. This is a very funny line. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I hope I'm not interrupting anything depressing. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, kind of sounds mean because it sounds like you're, yeah, it sounds like you're kicking her while she's down, but all right, that is witty. Like, you need yeah. more of that. You need more of that, Riley. Um, he also has a bit where he's talking to her, and just, like, generally, I think this is a very nice scene, but he says, like, he's like, I want to ask out Buffy, and Will just goes, she's not here. <laughs> like, <laughs> and he's like, 
yeah, I know. I, you know, I, I wanted to get to know a little bit more about her. <laughs> He's like, I want to talk to you, just kind of find out some things she likes. And, you know, I know she likes you. Um, and I was like, this is a very good, this is a good strategy. Like, get in with the best the friend. friend, the best friend, get a little advice. Um, you know, how was the best way to approach this? I love their kind of reconnaissance at the party later. When Willow's like, she's got the halter top and the sensible shoes. That means dancing and light conversation. <laughs> Nothing too Nothing heavy. Nothing too heavy. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but yeah, no, you're, this whole scene is great because you've got kind of Riley's like Midwestern optimism partnered with Willow's like just got dumped pessimism. Um, and it's a good combination. Yeah, I do like how um, it doesn't seem like she's, yeah, it doesn't seem like she's going to help Riley, but as he's walking away, she's like, she likes cheese. <laughs> so that's the, she likes that's cheese. the first thing she says yeah. about Buffy. And, I mean, it's important. It's important. That's an important fact. Uh, also, a shout out to Mr. Gordo. Uh, love me some Mr. Gordo. So next we go to Spike. Uh, visiting someone we haven't seen in a couple episodes. Who is it? Is Harmony. Good old Mercedes McNabb. I adore Harmony so much. I I, I think I've made that pretty clear um, thus far. My feelings for <laughs> Harmony are, are, are pretty strong. I, um, I am always delighted for, for Harmony appearance. The the only person that loves Harmony more than you is Harmony. Is Harmony? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I just I I I want to shout out to Mercedes McNabb because she takes this character who could be so irritating, and like and nails on a chalkboard, but she has such pitch perfect uh, comic timing that that it just really works. I would say that um before like pre-vampire i think her character was fairly annoying um it's not like she's more just like oh she's clearly the uh the second in charge of the cordettes and and honest and obviously the one who will like fill the void when um (laughs) yeah when, when cordelia eventually leaves them she's gretchen wieners but not as enjoyable very much. I, I yes, I, I guess I should backtrack and clarify when I talk about my unending love for harmony, it is specifically for vampire harmony. Um. Yep. And also the fact that um she's with Spike, that uh it, it's it's such a great bit of um it's such a great bit of like uh chemistry that they have between the two of them. Like the <laughs> two most unlikely people end up being one of the most lovable pairs of yeah. people in, the, in this season you, you call them like, you'd, you'd say opposites attract except it's more of like opposites have sex and then are terrible to one another <laughs> so yeah, spike goes to harmony's lair um she's putting up a poster of something and i i god damn i wish i could remember what it was but um i don't know she's Ooh, decor- i think it was a band i think it was a band that i actually knew and I thought, oh yeah, that would be harmony, um, but uh, yeah, I forget it off the top of my head. Hmm. I wonder if it says here on the wiki. I was hoping it would have one under the pop culture references section, but mm-hmm. it 
it doesn't appear to. Um, but anyway, spark, spark, <laughs> spark, sparkany. Um, <laughs> that's their, their couple names. Uh, Spike shows up at Harmony's lair, and she is so excited to see him. She's like, "Oh my god, you're back!" And she's he's like, "I'm back, baby." And she's like, "Are you back for good?" And he's like, "I'm back for good, but I gotta go." And kill the Slayer. <laughs> and she's just... <laughs> and he grabs some weapons and leaves. And she's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> um... There is a very... Uh... At this point, we, we, we start to realize that Spike has a very unhealthy obsession about uh, trying to kill Buffy. Um... Yep. Yep, very so like, single-mindedly yeah. uh, focused on on killing Buffy. Basically, Willow uh, uh, Harmony calls this out, where she's like, "You're just mad." I you know I'm paraphrasing quite a bit, but like, she's just gonna kick your ass again. I don't even know why you bother. <laughs> and of course, that's why he's so single-mindedly obsessed with killing her because Buffy has kicked his ass so many times. It's like a it's a matter of pride <laughs> for him at this point. Yeah, um, and it's also, like, obviously the writers are using this, uh, they're, they're trying to show, like, um, how probably the two characters that get the most focus in this episode, Riley and Spike, mm -hmm. both, um, Buffy is the main thing that they're thinking about, but they're obviously thinking about it, about her in very, very deposing ways, and, you know, it kind of works, I like it, I, uh, I like when um when Riley says like oh I need to go I need to go see a girl and um and and like when Spike breaks out of the initiative is like oh I need to go see a girl. <laughs> um, it's kind of interesting um that uh Spike being played off Riley in this way as foils when in the past uh Spike has usually been used as a foil um for Angel, so um but I think in very the they fo Spike foils each of these characters in, in different ways, I think. Um, mm -hmm. So, um, but now we get to the, uh, to the party. Um, good Buffy, old college parties. Good old college parties. Buffy is wearing um, a, as Willow notes, I, and I think I mentioned that earlier, um, the uh, halter top with uh, the sensible shoes. I remember... Um... I kept this in mind what she would be wearing when uh, at the beginning of the episode because she does say that she does specifically say to Giles and Xander that oh I'm going to uh, find something slutty to wear to this party and when she first walks in I'm like oh well that's not that's not slutty and then she like turns to the side and she shows off her entire <laughs> back and I'm like oh all right well I mean I feel like it um. I feel like it, it's wrong of me to say that that's slutty, but damn, girl. I mean, she. Uh, I wouldn't call it slutty. I'd call it uh, a sexy and confident. Um, yeah. And uh, I like that she's paired it with the sensible shoes, though, which um, Willow tells Riley means um, dancing, light conversation. And um, they... Um, I think Willow and Riley are just really uh, this pairing between the two of them are very cute in this episode. They uh, 
the way they meet is like willow like kind of like sidles up like she's a spy like on the opposite side of this like half wall and she's like i've got the i've got the the details i've got the here's your dossier it will explode after you read it (laughs) i got the tea now um (coughs) i love um i actually really love this in storytelling i love when a um I love when a person, whether it be guy or girl, has an attraction for another person, whether it be a guy or girl, and then like um, their friend or the the person they're attracted to's friend like helps them out. Like mm-hmm. I, I like that they, you got that support system because you know asking somebody out can be can be pretty um, intimidating, uh, intimidating mm-hmm. uh, adventure, and. Um, it's always nice to know that you got somebody uh, in your corner. You, you got yeah. your, uh, you got your Mick uh, for your Rocky. I mean, if you're trying to hook up with Buffy in a respectful, non-Parker Abramsy sort of way, who better yep. to have in your corner than Willow fucking Rosenberg? I can't think yep. of anyone better. WFR. <laughs> oh, I was like WFR. Uh, oh, I see. Willow fucking Willow Rosenberg. Fucking Rosenberg. <laughs> Cause I'm Willow fucking Rosenberg. <laughs> but yeah, um, this uh, I-, I will say though, this uh, this attempt at uh, r- that Riley takes at flirting with Buffy Oof. is hard to watch. Crash um, and burn. Crash and burn. Yeah, it's like it's like I know that I've had a lot of um, failure when it comes to flirting and asking girls out, but. I mean, even I look at this and say, like, oh, man, dude, you blew it. (laughs) Yeah, he asks her if she did the reading, which, like, the least sexy thing you could say to a person. Unless you're talking to Willow fucking Rosenberg, in which case, then that's that's actually your go-to move. But, uh... But, yeah, not not Buffy, um... Because, (laughs) like, And then he just hands her a cheese cube. Cheese? (laughs) Which, I mean, I know some people that that would work on, because I know people who oh. fucking love cheese. Listen, uh, a an early, early seduction technique uh, used by my husband um, was, was food. Uh, not cheese specifically, but just food in general. My husband... Cheese would a, work. Uh, it would work. Um, and there, don't, don't worry, there was cheese involved. It just wasn't only cheese. Um... My husband is an extremely good cook, and I'm an extremely oh good gosh. eater. And so, like, and it, John, like, <laughs> I think John realized that early on when we first started dating. Um, um, like, that's that's a big thing I miss about us getting together. Um, obviously, the company of our of you and John and our mutual friends is one of them. But oh my god, I miss that food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is delicious. Yep. We're going to have a big blowout once we can with all the food and the beer. Big summer blowout. Strippers. Um, I don't know about that. <laughs> I'll be a stripper. That's just a party. That's just that's just what you do at parties. <laughs> um, yeah, so Riley then goes back and defeat... Uh, to uh, a very sad couch that Willow's sitting on. And um, 
and yeah, Riley's like, this is this doesn't make any sense. I'm usually really good at stuff. This isn't me. And <laughs> Willow says, well, you did a really good job of blowing that. <laughs> and that was awesome. I, I love that uh, Willow still gives him shit, even though she's more or less cheering for him. She's um, almost like, it feels like this like depressed, like Willow, like like add sadness to willow and that turns her 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 sass up like the like 20 percent um is sardonic the right word for this um maybe i think so yeah okay she has a line Uh, earlier when she um when riley goes to dance with buffy she's like if you hurt her i will beat you to death with a shovel um which is chef's kiss yeah yeah we like, it, it may seem like uh, Willow's cheering for Riley, but in all honesty, Willow's just cheering for Buffy mm-hmm. and also kind of pushing the odds in favor of, you know, a non-Parker Abrams sort of guy. Yeah. Um, Riley, Willow is on Riley's side because because she is, you know, she is at this place where she thinks Riley will be good for Buffy. But I think we all know that if Riley does anything to fuck this up, Willow will beat him to death with a shovel. Oh. Yeah, and and she'll do she'll kill him in a completely non magical way. So that's how you know that she means it. <laughs> yep, it's personal. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, but uh, Willow is um, Willow's upset because she hears a uh, a Dingo's Ate My Baby song, mm-hmm. um, which Riley says uh is recording of you know a band that played here last year and um obviously oz leaving is still fresh so um riley just immediately like gets the attention of the guy who's at the boom box and is like ah nah cut it which i mean i think is um is it's there to reinforce that uh okay buffy's had like a really bad guy Mm -hmm. so now here's Here's a good guy for yeah. her. And this is, I mean, it's a good way of showcasing that. We're, you know, we're seeing Riley doing this nice thing. Not, he's not doing this for Buffy's sake. He's doing it for Willow's sake. Um, yeah. Who he's not trying to hook up with. He just, you know, he just sees someone that he likes and in pain and does what he can to, uh, to, to stop that. Um, so I, yeah, I think it's, um, it's a really nice gesture and uh, I really like it yeah um Um, but uh willow isn't the only one who's uh who's very sad um after annoying the shit out of giles uh xander has uh xander has split from giles and comes across uh your girl harmony (laughs) um she's excuse me oh my gosh she's um it's funny because she's like burning stuff and at first xander like accuses her of like arson he's like like she's committing some sort of crime which i mean technically she is committing a crime i'm pretty sure by lighting things on fire in a a public area but um she's uh no she's burning a bunch of spikes things including uh his sex pistols album which uh it's really funny because spike like or Xander at first insinuates that it's hers, and she's like, "Ew, no! I would never listen to something <laughs> called the Sex Pistols." Oh. <laughs> and they, 
I mean, there's no other way of saying this than, than, they, than they get into the most embarrassing slap fight um, I've ever seen. It's, it's really funny because of the lead into it. He's like, um, I've been trained to kill you with this very efficiently. And Harmony is a pretty good line. Like, boy, I will kill you where you stand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then it's just like, and then she just slaps him, and then he kicks her shins. <laughs> then... Yeah, and then it's full on slapping and hair pulling. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I tried to find something to um, to co- corroborate this, but I couldn't. So I don't know if it's actually something that I read somewhere that's true or something I made up in my brain along the way. But at some point, I remember reading something. That, that was like an interview with either Nicholas Brendan or Mercedes McNabb, maybe, where they were talking about how originally this was scripted to be a more traditional, you know, serious fight scene. And both actors were like, well, that seems a little out of character. Yeah, um, this... This is appropriate for both characters so, so much. Yeah. Um, but I what I really appreciate is that they... Um, they uh, even though this fight is really silly, they um, they still score it with the usual dramatic <laughs> fight scene um, scoring. So that that juxtaposition is just beautiful. It's so so funny, um, yep. and I I just props to Mr. Brendan, props to Miss McNabb because they 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 both do such an excellent job in this scene. Um, and then they, they like mutually like are like, okay, this is we gotta no, we're not gonna do this. Truce, truce, truce. It's like when you're a kid fighting with your brother and then like oh, it yeah. starts off like you're playing and then it's there's a point where it turns and uh someone uh, either someone gets hurt or someone's about to get hurt and you're both like, okay, no, 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 don't tell mom, don't tell mom. Who <laughs> <laughs> I can relate so hard to that. I, I have four brothers. I, you know, I can definitely, I feel that. God, I, I, I feel like my brother and I got into four brothers worth of fights in our, in our youth. Um, so yeah, this is where Harmony reveals to Xander that like Spike is back in town, and she then she has she, she has this like little monologue where she's like talking about like ra- ranting against Spike and like like what's the point? All men just leave, and then when it like fades out, Xander's gone. And she's like, yeah. Um, I think that's the last we see of Harmony in this episode, but um. Just, oh, just delightful. Just delightful. Yeah, and it's also, like, kind of unexpected, because I guess, like, we kind of thought that um in the bright, in the harsh light of day, that that was, that would be, like, the last time we see Harmony, but no, she, um, she, she keeps coming back, yeah. and, and it's delightful nearly every time, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, um, Xander immediately goes to the party, um, to let Buffy know that Spike has returned. He's doing this right as Bu- right as Riley is taking a second shot at talking to Buffy. And it looks like, it honestly looked like, oh, maybe this time it might work. But of course, he's, you know. He's definitely smoother this time. I, I think he's learned from yeah. his mistakes. He's, uh, you know, he's prepared a little more. 
Um, but yeah, Xander, Xander shows up and ruins everything. <laughs> Turns out Riley's not a big fan of Xander either. Um, Buffy and Xander run off to like, you know, go get a plan together for fighting Spike. Um, this leaves uh, Riley having just been observed by uh, Forrest and Graham. It's like, oh man, that didn't go well for you. Uh, but then we have um, probably my favorite part of the episode. Um, this is hands down my we favorite have this, part. Yeah, yeah, because um, it shows uh, Riley having this conversation with Graham and uh, and Forrest, and it's and it's clearly like this kind of like oh buddies conversation, like oh man you blew it, and it's like no it's totally cool. And while they're walking, they walk into a room and they just stare at a mirror, and you're like what the fuck is happening? Then this green light comes on. And uh, as soon as it uh, scans their eyes, it's a retinal scan. And then they walk into, and then the mirror opens up to reveal an elevator. So they walk into there. Again, they're still having this conversation. And we don't know where this elevator's going. It's just going down. Like, and it's like, what is going on? The elevator opens up and they come out onto the floor of this massive complex like massive underground complex which turns out to be the same place where spike was being held prisoner um and now we kind of see like oh my gosh Mm -hmm. this is where the commandos are from riley's one of these commandos and who's one of their and who's their commanding officer professor maggie walsh oh my gosh it's like hey we've got some answers to like what exactly is the main threat this season because all we've really kind of had so far at this point is is just like these random appearances from commandos Mm -hmm. but yeah like i think this is a fantastic reveal um and uh i love that it is given it's given this lead in it is very reminiscent of cabin in the woods another Mm -hmm. joss whedon project um at the very beginning when um when the two when bradley bradley uh um oh my gosh whitford bradley whitford Whitford. and i also almost said bradley walsh but no that's uh graham on doctor who (laughs) yeah yeah bradley whitford and i always forget like the name of the other Uh, richard jenkins name richard jenkins yeah dad he's dad from stepbrothers um oh i was about to say i was about to say the dad from six feet under oh yeah yeah um but yeah like it's just like the two of them like just having this workplace chat and Mm. then you just have the cabin in the woods come up it's 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 like the first moment when everybody in the theater when uh i think we saw that together didn't we We did we 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 we, yeah we we were at the midnight midnight premiere still one of my favorite movie going experiences as soon as that happened the whole theater burst into laughter like oh yeah this is this is gonna be a good time and it was bit of a tangent my favorite part of that movie that movie going experience so much fun i mean you were there and ben was there i I, and i think there were a couple other people there but that yeah you two were who i remember and i remember sitting right next to ben and near the end You've got the voice over the loudspeaker and Ben and I were sitting there both going like to each other like that sounds a lot 
like Sigourney Weaver. But it can't be Sigourney Weaver. And then like Sigourney Weaver walks onto screen and we were like, that's Sigourney motherfucking Weaver. <laughs> Spoiler alert for um for a ten year old movie. But Holy uh, shit, that movie is nearly ten years old. Oh my god, you just broke me. Yeah. Anyway. Sorry about that. Um actually actually technically it's a nine year old movie. Um but no, like um, before we before we leave it completely, highly recommend um, if you if you've watched Buffy for this long up to this point, then you're probably into Joss Whedon stuff. So highly recommend Cabin in the Woods. It's the movie that got me interested in watching real horror movies. I'd say that it's probably in my top twenty five movies of all time. Ooh. I it's not a um, that's not set. It's not as set in stone as like my top ten movies of all time, but um, I feel that Cabin in the Woods has to have a presence in that top twenty-five. Cabin in the Woods gets a rewatch, at least one rewatch for me from me every year. I, it's always in my monthathon, and then sometimes I just watch it at other times because it's really fucking good. Yeah, and it's really funny because if I have like, if somebody has never seen it, they're like, I don't even know what that's about. I'm like, well, then we have to watch it. <laughs> And if, um, and if somebody suggests, if I have a friend over and somebody suggests like, oh, I want to watch Cabin in the Woods. I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Let's do that. <laughs> uh, Cabin in the Woods pairs really well with, um, uh, with Scream. They're very different movies, but have very similar sensibilities. Um, they're both about like the meta, mm-hmm. meta awareness of horror. Yeah. And, um, and, it, and it like. And it um it celebrates the genre. Yeah. Um. So yeah, anyway, back to this this reveal. What I love <laughs> about this reveal um is so I, I I went back and I timed it. This happens at the 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 retinal scan starts at twenty six minutes and twenty seconds into the episode. So about um about two thirds of the way through. Um. This is the sort of reveal that easily could have been like an episode ending cliffhanger. Or, like, the opening teaser twist. Um, But instead, they put it here at this just over the halfway mark. And it's played out so casually, which is what I really love about it. Um, Yeah, it takes you by surprise. Yeah, The placement and how it's played. You almost don't even realize that a twist is happening until, like, you're in it. Um, and it makes sense to do it this way, because as you mentioned, we've spent so much of this episode with Riley. He's he's the major focus of this episode. Um, and, you know, for Riley, something like this is just part of his day. It's, it's not a mom- mm-hmm. momentous occasion. So the episode treating it like that, or treating it as casually as it does, um, helps bring us into his world, and, while also... Um, you know, pulling the rug out from under us and we're on the ground before we've even realized someone's grabbed a hold of that rug. Uh, I just think it's, yeah. it's masterfully done. And then the just the reveal of Maggie at the end is just a cherry on top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... And it, it's really cool because, I mean, this definitely sets, sets the initiative up as uh, one of the main foes of Buffy this season. But I mean, it's it's also like I mentioned before with Spike in that cell. It's something that's so different mm-hmm. from everything we've seen in Buffy so far. And I mean, it's no secret that I dislike this season. 
but I I do have to give props where props is deserved in that they did something different mm-hmm. and they uh, it and I think a lot of the story kept Buffy fresh as it made the transition from mm-hmm. what we knew in the first three seasons to this season and what comes after. Yeah. And I think uh, we'll spend yeah. a lot of this season discuss. I mean, obviously we're going to spend a lot of the season discussing the initiative. Um, and I think we're both going to have a lot of thoughts about what does and does not work about this, this storyline as we always do. That's the point. <laughs> but, but let's just say at this point, they've come out of the gate swinging. Yeah. And, um, really liked it uh and uh professor walsh is addressing uh the group which has grown like their their other guys who've gathered around riley and um and he's like hostel 17 obviously reference to spike mm-hmm. uh has escaped so everybody suits up and riley does um is the highest ranking officer it seems and uh he's very composed very uh well put together it's like the complete opposite of the bumbling fool that we saw handing buffy cheese yeah Uh, very much in his element xander and uh xander and buffy and giles are kind of forming their plan of how they're going to deal with spike um and buffy's plan is pretty simple she she knows what spike wants it's her so she's just gonna let him She's just going to draw him out to her away from populated areas and take care of him, which um, I I appreciate the simplicity of this plan. Like, you know, let let Spike work against himself. Um, And um, but uh, Xander insists that she takes a uh, this flare gun with her. And my Buffy initially scoffs at this. But my thought was like, w- wouldn't a flare gun be an effective? It's fire essentially <laughs> that you're shooting, you know. And I don't know how how super combustible they are. I mean, they're they're for pretty standard, like flares are pretty standard for like just civilian use. So I guess they can't be too dangerous. But um, I don't know. I mean, I, I've, it may not be an effective weapon, but shooting somebody with a flare gun is still like it's a statement it's not gonna hurt yeah it's not gonna hurt your um your chances of winning (laughs) another another buffy summers power move if you will still however cannot top the milk nothing ever will i'm sorry i I still can't get over that scene Oh god, what were you talking about? Flare gun. Um the uh Yeah, so now we've got this very disturbing little scene of how Spike basically just finds a computer and is able to find Buffy's exact dorm and dorm room. Yep. And that um that's not secure. That is the Yeah, that is the uh that is the second biggest uh, security scare that that is in this episode in my opinion. Um but yeah, the, uh, um, so he immediately is able to find the dorm room. Uh, meanwhile, Buffy is, you know, just kind of sitting on a bench because she's <laughs> trying to draw Spike out. She does, however, encounter, um, she doesn't know it, but she is being observed by Riley's team. And, 
Oof. Graham, or not Graham, uh, Forrest is essentially just like, Riley's like, okay, I'm going to go get her out of here. And Forrest is like, no, hold on a second. <laughs> like, <laughs> we know Hostile 17 likes pretty young blondes. Um, so maybe we just, you know, let this play out. Um, which is, <laughs> it's really hilarious how, you know, obviously from from Forrest's or from Riley's perspective, this is an extremely callous thing to be saying. But you know, from <laughs> our perspective, it's just what Buffy's plan is already. So yeah, um, I like the I like a little bit of dramatic irony there. Um, but uh, Riley pulls rank on Forrest and uh, says, "No, I'm gonna go get her out of here." And the scene that follows is so beautifully uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah like the both of them trying to get the other to leave um because the other one it, because each of them is completely unaware of the other's penchant for demon hunting yeah <laughs> uh, yeah it's it, it's fantastic that how well written this is like this this episode thrives on awkward moments, mm-hmm. whether it be this or Riley trying to flirt with Buffy or just a slap fight between <laughs> Harmony and Xander. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, just humorous exchanges one after the other until there's a scream heard and both Riley and Buffy at the same time say like, oh, gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is really funny because I... I feel like that's one of those things where, like, the focus and the adrenaline in the moment, like, you're not you're not thinking about about what just happened because you're like focused on I have to get to the person who's in trouble. I've got to help them. But if they if if either of them stopped to think for a second, they would have gone. Now wait a minute, that was weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so this scream is. I, I'm presuming meant to be Willow screaming. And I think I, it is. I think we're meant to, uh, uh, I think we're meant to understand that this scene with Buffy and Riley is happening simultaneously with this, the, the scene we're about to talk about right now with, uh, Willow and, uh, um, Spike. Spike. Um, I almost said Hostile 17. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be wrong. Uh, <laughs> um, Willow's... So Willow, we, we didn't actually mention this earlier, but um, Willow left the party early. She told Riley she was going to go back to their dorm room. Um, he, she asked Riley to tell Will, or to tell Buffy um, not, not to worry about her when and she'd be fine. Um, so Willow's just, you know, moping um, <laughs> like she has been. And there is a knock on the door, and she, for the second time in this episode, uh, Chekhov's invitation, just yells, come in. Um, And then Spike just saunters in, mm -hmm. like he owns the damn place. (laughs) God, he, that's I mean that's and, how he enters you know, a room, any room where he Spike walks into. <laughs> it really is. Dude has got swagger. Uh, the uh, yeah, and this 
what comes next is pretty um scary it's i think it's legitimately horrifying i mean because first you like just kind of open up with like oh you're in your dorm room and then all of a sudden who walks into your dorm room this place that like is kind of your sanctuary but a person who's tried to kill you multiple times mm-hmm. um and yeah it's the scene the violence of the scene is very visceral and very different than a lot of the violence we see on the show um we see i mean obviously we get a lot of kind of like martial arts and you know backflips and stuff like that um this is you know he spike like you know he's like up in her face he grabs her and like covers her mouth so she can't scream um she he pins her down on the bed and is on top of her um it's it kind of reminds me of um the very end of um this the chase scene between um angelus and jenny in that very visceral intimate violence and i think the reason that it is done this way is to be a such a huge contrast with what actually happens after the commercial break yes um and uh i gotta say i i appreciate that but at the same time i think they may have gone a little too far on the horrifying scene because like that image of the that right before it fades to black um for the commercial is just Mm -hmm. unsettling and it'll stick with you yeah Um, The, the next scene is very funny but i think only if you can disconnect it from what came before which i think is I, for me, it's kind of hard because, yeah, like I said, I found I found spikes walking into that room uh, legit scary. Um, but yeah, then uh, when we come back from commercial break, it's revealed that uh, Spike is unable to uh, take a bite out of, Get it out of Willow. He can't. Yeah, he can't. He can't hurt her because uh, it like the, he just gets this searing pain in his head and. It's played off in very much the uh, the style of oh, guy can't get it up uh, mm-hmm. with a girl, and um, this as I said before, this episode is incredibly silly, and um, I I basically just was like oh, don't laugh at this, Jason, don't laugh for most of the episode <laughs> until like this scene. This is the one that broke me. It's like <laughs> you know what, Jason? Who cares if it's dumb and silly? Just laugh at it because it is. It, it was funny. Um, yeah, it was... I let the silliness take me. Um, my my favorite moment of this whole bit is when um, it's near the end. Willow says, do you You wanna... mean your favorite moment of this whole bite? Uh, <laughs> boo. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, if they Will... can be silly, I can be silly. Fair, fair, fair. Uh, Willow basically goes, you know, oh, do you want to try again? And then immediately after saying <laughs> it, she has this look on her face that just, like, it's wonderful from Allison Hannigan, just that goes, wait, what the fuck am I saying? And then she just grabs the <laughs> lamp off of her bedside table and smashes it over his skull. <laughs> I love, um, I love when she says, is it me? Is it and- <laughs> And she says, you know, I'm not the kind of girl that vampires want to buy. He's like, oh, no, trust me. The, the one time when I was here last year, you were in that, like, pink fuzzy thing with the lilac underneath. She's like, really? He's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Which 
I presume he's referring to Lover's Walk, since that's the only episode he was I think so, he yeah. was in. Um, and I don't remember what Willow was wearing, but I'm going to uh uh I'm gonna guess it was something pink with lilac. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull that episode up right now. Oh yes, I would hope it's so. like a fuzzy that... pink sweater. Um, there you go. The, um, the images on here, I the, can't uh, quite tell what's underneath, but I, yeah, that is some, uh, that's some good continuity there. <laughs> um, and this is kind of the moment when, um, obviously we mentioned this is our first, uh, episode with Spike as a main character. And I, I like the fact that, um, Spike is able to have these interactions with the cast and it, it feels like he belongs. He can have mm-hmm. different kinds of interactions with different people. Like, obviously, he wants to kill Buffy. But, I mean, we've seen him have funny react, uh, funny interactions with Joyce. Now we see, like, a really fun interaction between him and Willow. And um, that is... It, it's, it's a great... It's a great trait mm-hmm. of a new main character. Or really any main character for a show. That you can pair them off with any other member of the cast and they can have really good chemistry. And that's why like James Marsters does such a good job with the entire cast of Buffy, which is why people love him so much. I think that's the sign of just a well-developed character that you can, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I, 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 this is something I was thinking about recently. I've been watching a lot of Parks and Rec and um, the, the character of Mark Brandanowitz, um, it was, was not a terribly successful character. Um, never seen again after season two, but you could you could kind of see the limitation of that character. He, for the most part, interacted exclusively with Leslie and Anne, um, and then um, Ben, the character who was brought in to basically replace Mark, um, throughout the course of the show. Ben can is paired off with nearly every character in the ensemble at least once, mm-hmm. and they are always successful, successful pairings. And I think that's one. I think that's a testament to uh, Adam Scott as as a performer, but yeah. also just the fact that um, the, that character was well developed from the get go. I mean, I thought I thought Ben was far more interesting in the first episode he appeared in than Mark was over the course of two full seasons. Yeah, and like um Ben's obviously meant to be the straight man in this comedy of very extremely weird people in a very extremely weird town. And um it works mm-hmm. so well because he uh, um Ben works so well in that show because he has his own quirks but they're nothing compared to the quirks of Pawnee. Mm-hmm. And it's just hilarious seeing him interact to all the strange things. Like, this is what you all think is normal. <laughs> yeah. it's, and it's, it, it's, it's one of the reasons why I love that character so much. Yeah, it's a great character. Um, his utter befuddlement at anything little Sebastian. Golden. Yeah. <laughs> Still don't get it. But, um, yeah, so... As we mentioned before, uh, Willow did smash a lamp right into Spike's head, and she tries to um, she tries to run to get out of her dorm room because yeah, but um, the uh, at this moment the initiative it turns out has the ability 
they're basically in control of the security of the entire campus. Yikes. And they are able to immediately lock all the doors and turn off all the lights in that dorm building. That is the number one scary security thing for me in this. Um, And you also kind of, also something I thought of was like, they do this to a, um, they can do this to the school, but like what else can they do this to? Like Mm. how far is the reach in Sunnydale of the initiative. Uh, they have yeah, that's a good question. Clearly they have um access to practically everything in the uh in the college, but uh who knows? Um but yeah this is this is scary as well because like yeah just imagine being a student in this dorm building and all of a sudden like all the doors are locked. You can't get into or out of your room mm-hmm. and yeah all the lights are out and then all of a sudden you see these uh, commandos coming through, like fully yeah. armored, like with guns at the ready commandos. I would be fucking terrified if this happened. Uh, it, yeah. It reminds me a bit of the um, uh, uh, X2, um, mm-hmm. the scene where the commandos storm the school, which is my favorite scene in that entire movie might be my favorite scene in the whole X-Men film franchise. Um, simply for the fact that it's fucking scary. Like that is yeah. a school and these are children. Um, yeah, they have superpowers, but like, like I, I, I get so distressed watching that scene. I rewatched that movie recently of like these little kids being woken up like in the middle of the night to like gunfire and screaming and like it doesn't matter that they have superpowers they're fucking children and they're terrified um and you know these are you know these are college students but this i mean they're still teenagers they're still Mm -hmm. young people um and all of the sudden um like willow in her dorm room as you mentioned was like a a safe space you know this safe space for them has been invaded and it's just very scary yeah um i also don't think we would uh in today's world of gun violence, uh, specifically on school school grounds, I don't think we'd ever see a scene like this happen, uh, um, in a in a show made today. I agree, and I mean, it kind of goes back to um, earshot, um, mm-hmm. how yeah. the awareness, like, and I I actually kind of wonder, um, would that episode have even been made if it like it was already made before the uh the columbine shootings happened um there was columbine that it was before right uh yes yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. so um they obviously like wanted to air it but they like held off on airing it but the um but yeah like you kind of wonder would they have even made that episode if it was still kind of like you know just an idea or just the script um for uh like when that happened when that event happened so and i don't think it would have i don't i, I, I think, think it, it would have been massively massively reworked mm-hmm. i think and, and of course on the other the other side of that too is the television landscape has changed so much um while it might not have it def i don't think you would definitely see it on like a broadcast network or like basic cable you might see it more on like a streaming service, mm-hmm. which has a little bit more of the ability to um, provide like, um, I mean, one, there's st- most of them drop their stuff like all at once. Um, so yeah. there's less 
timeliness to those sort of things, but um, they have a little bit more of the ability to provide like content warnings and stuff uh, beforehand. Um, so yeah, I may I, I think maybe on, like as I'm thinking of like um, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which frequently just has wholesale slaughter of teenagers in in the high school, but that's on Netflix, you know. Um, I don't know what they're doing over on Riverdale. Yeah. Also, it's usually like um, magic related and stuff. It's not true. anything specifically related to gun violence or anything like that. That's true. Um, but uh, yeah, so the initiative runs in and um, they unlock Willow's door. Um, they uh, and they immediately like get Spike. Um, they uh, put a bag over his head and start to carry him out they see um uh somebody on the team i'm not sure who uh points out willow it's like oh it's possible that she uh could have turned or not um so should we take her and riley does hesitate for a second because i mean like we saw before he had spent most of this night like working with willow to like try to find a good way to Mm -hmm. get to um to like talk to buffy and he obviously cares about like her being all right too because um she uh because of like the when the song came up and yeah it's 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 a really good um it's really a kind of note to take but uh he does say like um yeah you should probably take her too um and uh at this point um spike is able to kind of break out um uh they're about to like uh uh they're about to like shoot him and uh fortunately he's able to grab a uh, fire extinguisher this causes there to be like uh fumes and smoke everywhere just in time for buffy to show up with a flare gun yep to check off's flare gun yep to basically blind everybody um yeah. spike is able to escape and buffy is able to very easily like beat up a lot of these uh initiative guys um she obviously has a uh, obviously for effect and for the plot she has a longer fight with riley um but riley of mm-hmm. course can't see that it's buffy he only sees this blurred shape that is kicking his ass i you know i theoretically i like this fight scene like in theory, the the darkness and the smoke and and all of that, um, just the way it's filmed, um, and the way it's choreographed, and I think also the really tight space of the the dorm hallway doesn't help. Um, it just feels very confused and not very pleasant to look at. Uh, and a part of me can appreciate that all the characters in this fight are also confused and don't really know what's going on, but, um. I, I, I guess I just didn't feel like this fight scene lived up to uh, its potential. It, it's I'm not mad. I'm just it, disappointed. It, it's really funny. Um, I just thought had a thought that like, uh, oh man, what would have happened if this episode was directed by the guy who um, directed uh, the second episode of Netflix's Daredevil with that hallway scene? They like imagine. Can you imagine? <laughs> Oh my god. I, you know, I hadn't thought about that fight scene in, in a while, but that is one of the most 
uh, like really impressive like bits of like filmed chore like fight choreography I- I've seen in a long mm-hmm. time. Um, there's an- another one. Um, it's very similar to that in um, oh god, what was that movie? Um, Atomic Blonde with Charlize Theron. That's very similar, like a very long one take. Um, although that one's okay. more like um, if I remember correctly, it's like up a stairwell um, fight scene. Um, and I just remember, like, just just really impressed with the choreography of the scene, the direction of those scenes, because um, that's not easy. That's that shit is not easy to do. That is something that I love. I love one take scenes, or even if they're not mm-hmm. exactly one take scenes, if there's you know like the movie nineteen seventeen, if there's like some cinematic yeah. trickery to make it look like it's a single take. Um, yeah, that, that shit gets me every time I'm here for it. Um, I love when it happens. Have you seen, have you seen Rope, the Hitchcock movie? I started watching it. I have yet to finish it. I only got through like maybe a little bit before I was distracted by something. So, uh, but yeah, no, like, um, God, I I just love those scenes. I mean, I think, um, my favorite episode of Game of Thrones is Watchers on the Wall, and that has an incredible mm-hmm. track. That shot. huge track. Yeah, shot. of just like going all around Castle Black. Like, yes, this is this is my jam. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, this this hallway <laughs> fight not not as good as Daredevil. Um, but I mean, it, it, <laughs> not not as good as those other <laughs> examples. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, so here are examples of fight scenes we thought were better <laughs> than this one. So, but Spike, <laughs> Spike gets away, and Riley orders everybody to retreat. Um, obviously, Professor Professor Walsh is not happy, and um, she's pissed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, she's not somebody that you want unhappy with you. Um, Mm-mm. And, uh, yeah, Riley does say that, um, oh, we're going to, we're going to recapture, um, Hostel 17, and we're also going to get, like, this strong, uh, accomplice of his, and, um, and, uh, and, yeah, Walsh is just like, <laughs> you better, um, but the, uh, the good news that Riley can report is that, um, there is the implant that they placed in Spike's head has made it impossible for him to harm a human without feeling intense pain. And, uh, except for, I guess the human scientists he was beating up during his escape, but I'm going to, I'm going to, my my head cannon is that like the chip had been implanted. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to believe that the chip had been implanted but hadn't been activated yet. And so yeah, after this... he escaped, they were like, oh, somebody better turn that chip on. <laughs> yeah, this this <laughs> chip becomes such a huge part of Spike's story moving forward. Um, and it stays around for a while. Uh, but yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, Riley eventually does um, catch up with Buffy the next day. And... Uh, and Riley is obviously able to talk to her a lot better than at the party. And um, Buffy ends up telling him that, you know, he's a little peculi- peculiar. Uh, that same word oh, that they... Oh, she yeah. said it! And uh, Riley's like, oh, well, I can live with that because peculiar, but it's because I liked her. 
So maybe that's the same thing with her. But anyway, guys, that is the initiative. We now have our, uh, we now have maybe our big bads for season four. We'll have to see. Um, yeah, we'll have to see. Um, yeah, the initiative, uh, it's gonna take, it's gonna be all twisty and turny, kind of like saying the word peculiar. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like I said before, this episode is, um, it, it gets incredibly mm-hmm. silly. Um, and at first it was just kind of like a little middling on it, but, um, talking about it has actually kind of like raised it, raised its score up for me just a little bit. Um, and I just, I love the reveal of the initiative. I didn't realize how long it took, um, because this is like what episode, uh, seven. <gasps> yeah. Yes. This is episode seven. And, um, and the fact that like, uh, we've had, apart from like just the random commando appearances we've had zero clues Mm -hmm. as to what has been going on uh it makes for a really good reveal and a very well-timed reveal both in the season and in the episode Mm -hmm. um so i will give this episode three out of five pieces of cheese on a stick um yeah, I uh, I agree. I think this episode is. Um, I mean, this is a lot of um, a lot of setup for stuff to come, but I I don't view that necessarily as a bad thing. I think I think sometimes that is criticism people level at shows. Where it's like this is that episode was just set up, and it's like, well, okay, but like you have to set things up, like, and setup can be done poorly, and it can be done well. When you have a, yeah, when you have a show that it's bread and butter is it's long, season-long storylines, I mean, having one episode of setup, which in this case is a really good episode of setup, um, it's, that's not a bad yeah. thing. That's just a, I mean, it's a I good think thing. I, that, that's a good thing. When I hear that criticism about it's just setup, that falls very firmly into my uh, my belief that most people, maybe not most people, um, but maybe the most vocal people are really bad at watching television or consuming media. They don't actually engage or think about it. I think that um, the rise of popularity of Netflix and other streaming shows um, and binge watching, I think that has changed that yeah. attitude. I feel like people are more into the long storylines um, and getting the payoff. Granted, I mean, it's because a lot of the times these seasons are available all the, like in their entirety yeah. right at the beginning. So people can just kind of devour it, a.k.a. binge watching. Um, but yeah, remember, kids, didn't always <laughs> used to be this way. Yeah. Sometimes you had to wait a little bit to get some uh, resolution. Oh, uh- <laughs> I, uh, <coughs> no, excuse me. But yeah, so I just, I, this episode is setting up a lot of stuff. The initiative, Riley and Professor Walsh's roles in the initiative, Riley and Buffy's relationship, Spike's, uh, Spike's kind of place in the show. Um, and, and it even takes some time to touch on where Willow is, um, post Oz break her, <clears throat> excuse me, post her and Oz breaking up, um, and even checking in on how Oz and, uh, or not Oz, uh, Xander and Giles are kind of feeling 
uh, right now, both feeling a little left out of things. So this episode had a lot of things to juggle. And I think for the most part, it keeps all those balls in the air. Um, I, I don't think it's the most exciting like episode, but um, I think it succeeds at what it needs to do. And it has, as we've mentioned, a couple really standout scenes, particularly the the big reveal in the episode. So this is also mm-hmm. a... Um, this episode is uh, three vague disclaimers out of five for me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, don't forget to send us your um, horrifying ends to Parker Abrams. Yes. We would love to share some. Uh, but yes, we, we will... We very much are looking forward to any of those that we get. Um, But in the meantime, thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We'll be back next week with Angel Season 1, Episode 7. And I hope you guys are ready to get crunk because this episode is called The Bachelor Party. What? What? I am Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's spelled C-O-F-F-M-A-N. Uh, Harrison and Alexander are spelled the normal ways like Harrison Ford or Alexander the Great. Um, No comparisons. I also have a blog where you can uh, find my thoughts and rants on the horror genre, horrorbyharrison.blogspot.com. This week I am covering one of my favorites, the classic A Nightmare on Elm Street. I am Jason. You can find me on Instagram at yamij357, or you can find me yelling at Ted Cruz on Twitter <laughs> at plain old yamij. Fuck Ted Cruz. Uh, <laughs> you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy, or you can email us your most violent Parker Abrams murder stories at boozeandbuffy <laughs> at gmail.com. The and is spelled out A N D. Also, don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Each week, we like to give a shout out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. This week, we're highlighting Challenge Aspen. Challenge Aspen is dedicated to impacting lives through year-round adaptive experiences for individuals faced with cognitive and or physical disabilities. Challenge Aspen creates life-changing opportunities by encouraging participation in activities designed to redefine limits, recognize abilities, and transfer newfound courage to everyday life. Visit www.challengeaspen.org for more information. And as always, go slay Parker Abrams. And eat cheese, (laughs) but also be gay, too.